Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning, Day Spring. Good morning. Good morning. Can you guys uh, smell and taste the coffee, the donuts, in and out for me? I told Maisie tonight for dinner we were going to have in and out because we've been craving that. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, um, we are finishing up 21 days of fasting today. Amen. So for 21 days, we have denied ourselves of certain foods in order to seek the presence of God, to seek God. And, and I just want to remind you that the power of fasting is not in how effective you are. And maybe you were like, well, I think I might have eaten something that wasn't fast friendly. And it's not even in how you feel about the fast. The power of fasting is in the obedience of fasting. Amen. And if you fasted, I want to tell you that God has heard and seen your sacrifice and God is moved when we obey and we seek him. Amen. All right. Hey, Tony, can you turn on the lights for us? I want to see these beautiful faces. Um, when you walked in, you should have gotten a bulletin. If you didn't get one, you can raise your hand. One of the ushers will bring one to you. Um, I, I, I think today is a good day to have one. It's going to help you. If you're visiting us today, uh, we want to welcome you. We want you to feel at home. Um, I, I, I hear myself like a horrible geese, and I know I have a horrible voice, but it's, it's extra wear up here, Mark. Um, I don't know if we could just either turn them off or, um, but if you're here for the first time, we want to welcome you. We're so glad. We want you to feel that at home. We want you to know that you're in a safe place. We're not going to have you eat anything, drink anything, give anything that you don't want. Although we got pozole after church and you should try that. Amen. So we want you to feel at home. Hey, uh, before we jump into today's message, as we end our fast, we asked on social media, we asked in live groups about uh, to share with the church the things that God had done. So I want to thank those of you that participated, those of you that wrote in something or, or that text something. If, if you didn't, do it next time. It's good to give God praise. So let me share some of the testimonies um, uh, that have taken place in the last 21 days as we fasted. Uh, Maria wrote and she said, I, I want to thank God for the successful uh, surgery that her daughter had. And because her brother, who has been very ill, his situation is improving. Um, Anna wrote the following. She said, during the last 21 days, God has given me an enormous peace during this horrible storm. 
Um, Rosa wrote, uh, the fasting impacted me tremendously with discipline and God showing me my inner me. Uh, an anonymous person wrote to us and said, I tried fasting food, but it was difficult. I appreciate their honesty. I do. Uh, I tried fasting, but it was difficult. Tried to fast by eliminating something else. I'm going through the toughest time of my life, but the fasting I'm doing has been a breakthrough for me. I have newfound strength that I never had before. I feel amazing as if nothing can break me. I am grateful. Isn't that awesome. Amen. One other person wrote, she said, fasting is hard. I can only do it because God gave me the strength to do it. I did a liquid fast. Since fasting, I've been getting along better with my husband. Amen. Praise God. So ladies, he might not be the problem. And I'm joking. I'm joking. And then, and then this person wrote, well, I can assume it's a she. She said, can't wait to eat on Sunday. I, I'm with her too. I can't wait to eat on today. Another person wrote, fasting has helped me to see more clearly and, and to be more courteous to others. Isn't that awesome? That, that seeking God changes the way we treat people. Um, somebody else wrote, during this fast, I feel more of God's love. I had visions of doing more for the ministries. Amen. That's exciting. One other person wrote, this fast has been a continuous reminder of the relationship that I desire to have with God. I love that. I love that because isn't it true that when we're fasting, we, we feel closer to God, we hear him more, we sense him more. And it's not because somehow, you know, just during the fast, he draws to us. No, it's because during the fast, we draw to him. Amen. Amen. So, so I love that testimony. Uh, let's see, where was I? Um, yes, this, the next person wrote, this fast helped me to learn that I struggle with control. Anybody else? Anybody else? That I struggle with control. I saw that I must humble myself in the middle of acting controlling. I, it, it revealed that I have a problem more than I thought. I feel free. That's awesome. Another person wrote, God has helped me with discipline. He also revealed areas in my life that need healing. And they wrote the yucky areas. The areas that I still need work where I thought I didn't have to. Another person, this was a great one too. Another person wrote, God saved my aunt from having a heart attack. Amen. Another person wrote, God showed me self-will and to control my eating. God also worked in my marriage. I feel God drew me close. And here's a, another cool one. I thought this one was really cool. One person wrote, we were able to pay off debt. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Because God works in all the areas. Another person wrote, God reminded me that regardless of my circumstances, he is always there to see me through. Great, powerful reminder. Uh, two more and I'm done. I learned, the next person wrote, I learned that God asks us to fast for obedience. In small things that lead to big changes. We have jobs and a good income. Amen. And here's my favorite one. This is my favorite one. Lorena wrote the following. She said, I thank God for helping me to see the amazing, wonderful, devout husband he gave me. Not only is he handsome and hardworking, but wise and right all the time. 
during this fast, God helped me to want to love him more deeply, to take care of him for the treasure and gift that he is to me and the kids. No, she didn't write that. I wish she wrote that. I wish she wrote that. It was one day she will. Amen. So those of you that are watching us online, if you didn't share yours, type it on there. If you do, I promise that I will read it and I will pray for you. Amen. God has done good things, hasn't he? Are you grateful for what, for how God has been to us? Amen. And, and here's the best part. Here's the best part. If you say, well, pastor, I fasted, but nothing's changed. Well, I want to remind you of the story of Daniel. I, I preached this on the end of uh, the year, and, and I told you that Daniel fasted for 21 days, and it wasn't until three days later that he got the answer. Three days later. In fact, the angel appeared to him, and he said, Daniel, the first day that you prayed and fasted, an answer was, was, was sent to you. It didn't come to you right away because there was opposition. So, so persevere, don't give up, don't get discouraged, don't think, oh man, I fasted and nothing happened. In fact, me and my wife, we're arguing more, you know, I'm more broke, I'm more angry. Well, keep fasting, God may be breaking some stuff, amen? And uh, the, 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 that, so I want to encourage you to not feel discouraged if um, you don't feel like anything has happened. But here's some other good news. And the good news is that God is not done. Isn't that awesome? You know, God did some wonderful things in our family. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about them at the end of the message. But, but the best part of it all, the best part of it all, for those of you that share your testimonies, is that God isn't done. That there's more that God wants to do. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not a genie. He's just a good God. He's not a genie. He's just a powerful God. He's not a genie. He's just a God with a good plan for our lives. Amen. And there's more that God wants to do in your marriage, in your finances, in your spiritual life, in your health. And because there's more that God wants to do, it's important that we don't stay stuck. It's important that we make progress. It's important that we keep going forward and that we remove those obstacles that can keep us back. Amen. If you have your outlines right there in 1 Thessalonians 4.1, this has been the verse during this series, which by the way, can we give Pastor Tony a big round of applause for the message he shared with us last week? We, we are so blessed to, to have not only other pastors, but other good speaking pastors. And uh, over the coming weeks, you're going to get to hear from them more often so that you're not always hearing from me the same old stories. Um, and uh, Pastor Tony did a great job. First Thessalonians 4.1, right there in your outline. Would you stand with me? Let's read God's word. Look at what he says. This might be a good key verse for this year. You know? If you got a mirror, maybe you can write it in the mirror or write it on your phone or something. Look at what Paul tells the Thessalonians. He says, finally, brothers, we urge you and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that as you have learned from us how you ought to walk and to please God, that you should what? Excel, Excel more. more and more. Paul doesn't say, hey, you've come a long ways. Take a break. Just, just glide. Just cruise. No. He says, you, you, you've been excelling, and we want to urge you. We want to exhort you to what? 
to excel more and more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, thank you for the strength and Lord, the conviction and the help to be able to finish our 21-day fast, Lord. If anybody's going to continue their fast, Lord, we encourage them. We cheer them on, Lord. But for those of us that were done, we want to finish our fast by feasting in your word, by being in your presence. Before we go and, and enjoy of pozole or whatever it is we got planned to do today, that your word may fill our souls. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. <laughs> you know, Paul admonishes us to keep making progress. He urges us to say, don't stay stuck because there's more that God wants to do. Do whatever is in your power to not stay stagnant, to not stay in the same place. And that's been the goal of this series. That's what we've wanted to do, to encourage you as the year starts to say, hey, 2023, it's got to be different. I don't know about you, but ever since COVID happened, life kind of took a dip, right? A lot of things kind of kind of decreased. And I think it's time that we turn that curve upside down and we say, you know, better things got to start taking place. It's not, it's got to be enough of losing things, of, of always being in the climb. We, we, we got to make progress. And, and, th and that's what Paul is telling us. And that's why we've wanted to do this series to encourage you. And one of the things that we've done to help you advance is, is to identify those things that have the potential to keep you stuck, to keep you being that same nagging person that you are, to keep you in debt, to keep you indifferent, to keep you mean, to keep you hurt, those things that don't let you advance. And we said that the first hook that keeps you stuck is a lack of vision. That when you lack a vision from God to see the good future that he has for you, the potential that he put in your life, that you'll stay stuck. That unless you have a clear picture of where God can take you and what God can do, you won't move. The second hook that we said, that we talked about, was the lack of priorities. And everybody's got priorities, but sometimes we have the wrong priorities or we have our priorities misaligned. And we said that at the center, the number one thing in our priorities ought to be the kingdom of God, the Lord himself. And that when he is one, then everything else lines up. But when he's not one, no matter how you line things up, you'll never be at your best. And last week, Pastor Tony spoke to us about the people that we have in our lives. Sometimes the hook that keeps us from going forward is that we are surrounded by the wrong people. We are surrounded by people that don't encourage us, by people that don't make us godlier, by people that don't make us wiser, by people that keep us in certain habits that don't let us go to where God wants us to go. <laughs> So what I want to do today, today we're going to end our series and we're going to talk about the fourth hook that keeps people stuck. Are you ready? And this is the biggest one of them all. Are you ready? The biggest hook that keeps people stuck is inactivity. Refusing to change, inaction, doing nothing. It's almost like, like we want God to do something while we sit and binge watch. We want God to heal our marriage while we're busy in the garage. If you want God's best, you're going to have to act. 
You're going to have to make steps of faith. You're going to have to decide to move forward. Because here's the thing. We live in the age of information. Did you know that? We live in the age of information where, where we know what to do. We know what to do. But it's one thing to know what to do and it's another thing to what? Do it. Do it. All of us, most of us, we know, we know what a good parent looks like. But when our kids are giving us a hard time Sunday morning and we're trying to get come to the house of the Lord, it's a lot harder to do what it's right to do. And what do we end up doing? Grandma and mom and dad comes out of us, right? And you run with the chunk line. You start screaming at them and you start threatening them. We know what to do, but we don't always do it. Amen? So, so it's one thing to know what to do, but it's another thing to know how to do it. Now, somebody said, and I'm sure you've heard, heard this before, somebody said, <clears throat> it, saying something and doing something are two worlds apart. Saying something and doing something are two worlds apart. Do you know when you truly believe something you, do you want to know how you know when you truly believe that God has something new for you? It's really simple. It's not in the size of your Bible. It's not in how many verses you can quote. It's not in how many um, services you attend. It's in your actions. It's in your acting that you can, it is your actions that prove your faith, what you believe. That's what James tells us in James 2.17. It's right there in your outline. And he says the following. He says, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by actions, it is what? Dead. Dead. So if we don't have faith, if we, if we, when we don't have faith, we don't act. We may say we do, because words are cheaper and easier, but it isn't until we act that, that we can prove that we have faith. Now, there are three big motivators that motivate us to act. And I'm going to share them with you. And I want you to do something. In your outline, when you write them in, I want you to be honest with yourself. And I want you to kind of put a check next to the one that, that, that motivates you. Now, two are bad and one is good. But you got to be honest with yourself. Because some of us, we like the mala vida, right? We like the hard life. Okay? So if that's you, you just got to be honest with yourselves. Amen? So the first motivator, the first motivator is pain. Pain motivates us to act. In fact, pain is a great motivator. Look at what Proverbs 20:30 says. It says sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us what? Change our ways. Sometimes it takes the doctor saying, "Hey, unless you stop doing that, you're going to die." Sometimes it takes for your parents to say, "Hey, unless you start acting the right way, you're going to have to leave our house." Hey, unless you really do something about that, we can't continue. Hey, unless you start arriving time on time, you're going to have to find a new job. Sometimes it takes pain to change our ways. Somebody said the following. I thought this was really good. Somebody said, people don't change when they see the light. They change when they feel the fire. Sometimes it has to hurt for us to say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do something about it. 
We see this principle in the life of the prodigal son. Look at what Luke 15, 14 to 18 says. I'm going to summarize a few of the verses, but it's right there in your outline. This is the prodigal son. Look at the conversation, or look at what it says about him. He says, he spent everything he had, and he was hungry, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last, he came to his senses and said, I will get up and go to my father's house. If you know the story of the prodigal son, right? He is one of two sons of a wealthy father. And this guy is desperate. And he says, Dad, I want you to give me half of my inheritance. And I'm going to go and I'm going to do my own thing. So the dad does, which is very interesting, right? Because if he's a good father, the, the, the father of the prodigal son represents God. Yet that father allowed this son to make a poor choice. I don't know, parents. Yeah. Tough lessons there. Anyways, so he gives him half of his money. He goes and he spends it all. And when he runs out of money, he tries to get a job. He can't find any jobs until he finds one job where he has to feed pigs. And it wasn't until he was there desiring the food that the pigs were eating that he said, man, I have messed up big time. I am going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to ask him to forgive me. Now you realize that it wasn't when he lost his money that that he came to a census? That it wasn't when he first got hungry that he came to a census? It was until he hit really rock bottom where he desired the food that pigs were eating that he said, I've messed up. What about you? Does it take rock bottom for you to say, man, I, I, I got to do something about my marriage. I got to do something about my spiritual life. I got to do something about my finances. I got to do something about that relationship. Does it take pain to get you to act? The second motivator is pressure. Pressure motivates us to act. Sometimes it isn't until we run out of options that then we act. How many procrastinators we have here? Be honest. How many of you guys wait till an hour before your ticket is due to try to find out how to pay it online? Amen? <laughs> and sometimes people act only when the pressure gets high. We see this in Elijah. Elijah exemplifies this in 1 Kings 17 through 2, uh, 2 through 9. Look at what he says. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastwards, and hide in the Kirit ravine. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kirit ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once. It was the pressure that Elijah felt that moved him to act. Now, here's what you got to know. In those days, to give bad news to the king was almost your death sentence. The kings just didn't want bad news. And Elijah comes to the king and he says, hey, it's not going to rain for a while. And after he says it's not going to rain for a while, he goes and he hides. But then the Lord used up the fact that the river dried up to say, hey, Elijah, you can't stay here anymore. You need to go back. You need to go back because now I'm going to use you to send rain back. And sometimes it isn't until we run out of alternatives, until we run out of resources, until we run out of options, that then we say, okay, I got to act. You know, during this fast, because I haven't been watching TV, um, I've probably read about 
seven books. And a couple of them, I even read them twice. And one of the main topics that I've been reading is parenting. I, I, I want to be a better parent. I want to be a better parent, basically becoming a teenager. And um, I, want to, I want to try to get it as right as possible as I can. And in one of the books, the author said something that really pierced my heart. And I wish, I wish, I wish I could go back to when Maisie was three, so that I could start parenting with this paradigm in mind. And he said the following: He said it's easier to raise strong children than to fix broken adults. Did you hear that? Yeah. It's easier to raise strong children than it is to fix broken adults. And sometimes we wait till there are adults to say, how do we fix it? And you know what's the sad part? Some things can't be fixed. Oh, pastor, but where's the power of God? Yeah, there's power in God. But you can't go back to when there were four or six or 10 or 15. You can't undo that. So does it take pressure to get you to act. Now, here's the third motivator. The third motivator is a good motivator, and that's perspective. So pain, pressure, and perspective. Perspective is the ability to see broadly, the ability to see the bigger picture, the ability to see more clear and understand better. Listen, when you can understand and see life or situations or decisions more clearly, then you are motivated, <laughs> forgive me, you are motivated to act. This is what happened to Saul. Look at Acts 9, 3, and 6. Look at what it says. <laughs> Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, speaking about Paul. He fell to the ground and heard a voice. Who are you, Lord? Paul asked. I am Jesus. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Now, let me tell you what's going on there. Paul is on his way because he's persecuting Christians. He's got a seal for God. And up to that experience, Saul thought that he was doing the right thing. He, he felt like he was doing God a favor. He was chasing these, these believers that were a threat to Judaism. But it is on his, on his way that he has an encounter and he sees this flash and he hears this voice and he says, who is this? And it's Jesus and he says, it's me. And he says, why are you persecuting me? See, Paul up to that point thought he was doing the right thing. But it was after he understood that what he was doing is that he was persecuting Jesus that he changed his life around. And he went from persecuting the church to building the church up. He went from having seal for the temple to now having a passion for Christ and the gospel. And his whole life changed because he could see and understand life and ministry more clearly. And that is what we often lack many times. We see things in today. We see things in what's going on now. And let me tell you that one of the most foolish things you can do is to make life decisions based on today. Right. That is a recipe for disasters. 
And listen, when you can see God's plan and you can understand more clearly through the power of his word, you will act. You're going to act. So let me ask you this question. And you know I don't like condemning. It, it, it's, it's reflective. It's, it's to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Which one's your motivator? Look back into your life. When is it that you have acted? When the pain has gotten too tense? When the pressure has gotten to be more than you can handle or are comfortable with? Or is it when God, through the power of His Word and in His presence, has shown you your purpose, has shown you His will, has shown you, has given you a perspective? Listen, God has something more for your life. God has a better marriage than the one you have now. And if you say, Pastor, I'm good, God's got something better still. God's got more wonderful experience for you and your children. <laughs> God's got uh, experiences in His presence and treasures of His Word that He wants to give to you. But we need to act. We cannot become the binge-watching generation. Where we say, Lord, I'm just going to see here comfortably. And you take over. You do the rest. Well, that's not what that means. we got to act. So if you want to act, I want to give you three things to help you act. Because taking action is hard, right? Everybody says, oh, I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> I'll do it next week. But I want to help you take action. And if you do these three things, I promise you that you're going to take action. Amen? Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. To take action, the first thing you need to do is you need to assume responsibility. If you want to take action, you need to assume responsibility. When a person accepts responsibility for their decisions, their behaviors, it opens the door to progress, to growth, to advancement. Many of us are stuck because we keep blaming other people. We keep saying, you know, the, the right time will come, <coughs> or when I feel about it, then, then I'll do it. Look at what Romans 14, 12 says. It says, yes, each of us will give what? A personal account to God. Let me read that again. Each of us will give a personal account to God. What does it mean that each of us is going to give a personal account to God? You know what that means? That we are each responsible for our own lives. You know what God is not going to accept? Oh God, it was my dad's fault. It was my mom's fault. It was the government's fault. It was Pastor Nestor's fault. If he had been a better pastor, I would have sought you more and I would have been a better Christian. No. Paul says that we will each give an account to God. We're all going to answer for the things we did, didn't do, said, didn't said in our lives. So we got to take responsibility for our own lives. If you don't grow, it's not anybody else's fault or responsibility but yours. You want to stay stuck? Keep blaming others. Keep making excuses. Keep assuming the responsibility belongs to somebody else. But if you take responsibility and you say, hey, in order for me to have a better marriage, it's upon me. I'm going to do it. 
If I'm going to get out of debt, it's not going to be when I get this job or that job. It's going to start now. If I'm, if I'm going to become a godlier person that honors God in their lifestyle and their choices, I'm not going to wait for a ministry. I'm going to take responsibility and start doing it myself. Amen. Proverbs 28, 13 says the following. It says, you will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will what? Will show you mercy. I like how the Living Bible uh, translation says it. It says, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets what? Another chance. I was reading a book to Nathan this week, uh, because right now he's making the transition from Spider-Man to Batman, which Batman is my favorite hero, right? I think he's the best one of them all, because the guy doesn't even have superpowers, and he's like the greatest detective, he's got the coolest gadget. Anyways, we were reading a book, we were reading together, and um, it it reminded me of something that is often, uh, that the dad of Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne, often said to, uh, no, not Bruce Wayne, Bruce is, is Batman, well, his dad. Um, He would often tell Batman, he would tell him, why do we fall? And he taught his son to say so that we could get back up. And it reminded me that the righteous may fall seven times, but he picks himself up every time. Amen? So if you've messed up, Time after time, time after time, don't stay stuck. Keep taking responsibility and God will give you success. Amen? Amen. Number two, number two, the second, the second thing, if you want to take action, if you want to act, you first assume responsibility. But the second thing is that you got to believe you can do it. You got to believe that you can do it. Romans 12, 2, you're very familiar with this verse. It says, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Paul admonishes us that we are not to think like the world does. Why not? Why shouldn't we think like the world does? One big reason, the world doesn't believe. They don't believe. They say stuff like, oh no, you got to see it to believe it. But what does God say? God says, you got to believe it to see it. And see, most of us, we've adopted the thinking of the world. And, and, and it's affected the way we think. And we need to change our negative, pessimistic, skeptical thinking into a faith-filled, God-trusting, hope-filled thinking that is founded on the person of Jesus Christ. We don't say, I can do it because I'm wonderful and I'm perfect and I'm cute. No, we say, I can do it because God is with me. And if God is with me, what can be against me? See, if you're good, most of us don't act because we are afraid of many things. So if you want to act, you got to change your thinking into the fact that you can believe. That you can do it. I told you of this crazy thing that I'm trying to do. I'm trying to run the marathon under four hours. Yesterday I almost ran 19 miles and all along I was, my legs are burning right now. Let me tell you, my legs are burning right now, okay? After this I'm going to go home and sleep for like five hours. But as I was running, I was like, I, I, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. And one of the things that I learned is that when you run, you don't look down. You look front. front. 
Because if you look down, you get discouraged. But if you look forward, it keeps you going forward. And, and because I believe that I can do this, because I believe I can do this, it's caused me to, to make certain decisions. Like, I, I, I'm going to keep all sodas and stuff out of my diet until the end of the marathon. I'm, I'm not going to eat certain things because I believe I can do it, so it's pushing me to act. I believe I can be a good parent. That's why, that's why one of the other things that we're doing in our home, um, we're not going to watch TV Monday through Thursday. TV's only going to be allowed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You know why? Because when you don't watch TV and you're not on social media, you enjoy your kids more. You, you pray more. You, you play games more. You know, yesterday we were, I'm honest with you, we were bored. We were bored. Like, we're at home and we can't turn on the TV, right? And you can only play so many games. And Maisie was desperate. You know what she did? She learned to do a smoothie, the best smoothie in the world. I'm serious. That girl's got a gift to, to do smoothies. She wouldn't have done that if she had the TV and the phone available. Nathan and Kaylee, they, they, they've learned so much more in their homeschool. Why? Because the TV, the, 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 the phone is not there to interrupt that. So when you believe you can do it, you act. And he said, yeah, I could be a healthier person. I could be a more present father. I could be a more loving husband. But it isn't until you believe that you act. And then the last thing, to act, you assume the responsibility right? You believe you can do it. But third is you got to make the decision now. You have to make the decision now. Many people lose great opportunities due to indecision. It's one thing to know that we should. It's another thing to know how to. But many of us just don't do it. Don't do it. We, we leave it for tomorrow. We leave it for when the kids grow up and go home. We leave it for when we make more money. We do it for when we're a little bit older. We do it for... And listen, the day to act is not tomorrow, but today. Right. You just, you just got to... I, I, I remember reading another book, and it wasn't this time. Um, and and the, the, the writer of this book, in one of the chapters, it talked about, you know, getting yourself up in the morning. And, and, and they gave this advice, and it works, or at least it worked for me. It said, in the mornings when you wake up or the alarm goes off, he says, your first thought should be, I'm going to get up when the countdown goes. And in your head, you count five, four, three, two, one, and then you get up. And she said, you count from five to one because after one, there's nothing. So you have to act. But if you say, I'm, I'm going to count from one to five and then I'm going to get up, you're going to go one, two, three, four, five. And then what are you going to do? You're going to keep counting so that you can stay in bed. You have to act. You have to make the decision today. Okay? Listen, I mentioned earlier, some opportunities only come once. If you're, if you're a dad and you're saying, I'm not going to work so much so that I can spend more time with my kids. But first, I'm going to pay off the car. Well, you might miss some of the years. If you're a young person and you say, you know, I'm going to get serious with God. But, 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 but once I get older, you might miss some of the best years to serve the Lord. I love what Pastor Tony said last week about being single. So take action now. Look at what 1 Kings 18.21 says. 
It says, how much longer, how much longer will it take you to make up your mind? And God was confronting the people of Israel. And he says, hey, if God is God, serve God. But if Baal is God, then serve Baal, but make up your mind. Stop being indecisive. Why are we indecisive? Well, let me give you three reasons why we're indecisive, and we'll finish up with this. One of the reasons that we're indecisive and we don't act is that we fear what people may think or say. We fear what people may think of or say. Oh, look, they think they're all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> you know what's one of the um, most discouraging things that I hear? Nestor, if you run so much, why are you still fat? <laughs> Pray for Pastor Manolo, please, okay? <laughs> so now my answer, my answer is, well, can you imagine how much bigger I would be if I didn't run as much as I do? All right? Listen. Hey, people are going to talk whether you do something or don't do something. And, and remember, who's responsible for your life? You. So who cares what people think? Right. Who cares? People are going to talk whether you're good or bad, whether you do or don't do. <laughs> so don't let the fear of what people say or think keep you from acting. The second reason why we are indecisive is that we fear messing up or being wrong. Right? We fear messing up or being wrong. Okay? Now, I'm going to tell you something really, really powerful. I don't think you've ever heard this, okay? This, this might shock your world. You ready? You will mess up more than once. Yeah. So just get that out of your system. We're perfect people, but we have a perfect God. We will. Miss in fact, I want to do an exercise. Are you ready? Everybody has to participate. Remember, you're in church. Don't lie, okay? I know you lie to your kids at home. Don't lie in church, okay? Raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. If you have never, ever, ever made a mistake. Oh, I thought I saw the people trying to raise their hand. We were... We were going to build you a statue outside. <laughs> right? Listen. Failures are part of our life. Right. We have to redefine what a failure means. You know what a failure means? A failure doesn't mean the end. A failure means this doesn't work. Let me try something else. We went to that counselor and our marriage is still the same. We'll try another one. We've tried two and it still doesn't work. We'll try a third one. Well, we've tried three and it doesn't work. Try a fourth one. What if it takes seven to find the right one? Amen? Well, I've said that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful to church and I'm not going to miss, but then you mess up. Well, don't give up. Try again. Try again. Amen? So fear of messing up and being wrong. And then the third one is that, is that we think we have enough time ahead of us is that we think we have enough time ahead of us. Hey, if you're a parent, especially of little ones, I got a really cool exercise I want to ask you to do. You don't do it now, do it at home. I want you to go home and take a piece of paper, and I want you to write your age and your wife's age, and then your kids' ages right now. And then 10 years from now, how old are you going to be and how old are they going to be? 
And then another 10 years from now, how old are you going to be? How old are your kids going to be when you're 60? And I know some of you are like, oh, that's horrible. I don't want to think about me being that old. It's being realistic. You know, I did that and I realized that I have less time than I think that I do. In fact, I was telling my mom yesterday, I go, mom, you realize that January is done? Wasn't it just yesterday we were opening Christmas gifts? Yeah. And I said this to her, I said this to her, I said, you know, here's my prayer, mom. I told her, I go, I know I can't ask God to slow down time. So I've been asking him to help me be wiser and more in delight in my day more. Because we don't have all the time that we think that we do. Amen? So listen, I want to, as we end our fast, I want to ask you to do one thing. You ready? In fact, let me, let me rephrase that. And I want you to know that I'm very careful when I say this. I don't want to ask you. God is inviting you to do this one thing. What is it, Pastor? That is to make Him number one this year. To seek His presence above everything else. Listen, 2023 can be your best year if it is the best year for your spiritual life. If your spiritual life grows and thrives, every other area in your life will thrive. The Lord has put it in my heart because I sense and I am so confident. In fact, He gave me a scripture because as of yesterday, I was still down and I was saying, Lord, they're, they're going to think that I'm just trying to pump them up, that I'm trying to do. And in my devotional, God gave me a scripture. And when I was reading that scripture, I, it was just a confirmation and I'm going to share it with you in just a minute. But a church, I want to invite us to make seeking God our number one priority. And just in case you don't know what that means, I thought of a couple of things that you could commit to to say, I'm going to do these because they're going to help me do the number one thing I want to do, which is seek the presence of God. For example, what is the first thing that you can do to help you seek the presence of God? I want to invite you to fast with me the first Sunday of every month. I want to say this as an example, not to, to show off. Every Sunday I fast. Every Sunday. And you, some people say, oh, that's not that hard. It's only till 11 o'clock. You know how hard it is to be making Kaylee her eggs and Nathan his cereal and Maisley her pancakes and not want to take a bite of that or to come here and smell the cafe and not want to take a sip of the cup. It's pretty hard. It's not long, but it's still hard. And I want to invite you to fast with me. In fact, we're going to remind you. The Saturday before the first Sunday of every month, we're going to send out a text. Hey, tomorrow we fast together. Why? Why, why don't we fast, Pastor? Because fasting, fasting is going to keep you sensitive to the Spirit of God. It's going to help you say no to your flesh so that you can say yes to the Spirit. Amen? Second thing, another thing that you could do. I want to invite you to join me once a month, once a month on Saturday prayer. Let's talk to the Lord. I know you pray at home, or at least I hope you do. But there's something wonderful. God is doing something wonderful in our Saturday prayers. There's more and more people coming. And when we pray, 
it builds our relationship with God. It does. The third thing that I want to suggest is that you find a Bible reading plan. And that you do it. Don't just find it. Do it. Find a reading plan. Because when you fill your mind with God's truths and promises, your life is going to change. It doesn't have to be a big one. There's beginner ones all the way to experts. Find a reading plan and read it. The last three years, I've read the Bible from cover to cover, and it is a habit that I am going to keep until the last day of my life. I want to invite you to do that with me. Fourth, fourth, I want to invite you to give faithfully and generously to the Lord. Give to Him. You know why? Because when we give, it loosens our grip from possessions and materialism so that we can make God first. Some people have forsaken God over work. Some people have forsaken God over material things. And not only does it build your heart for the Lord, but it blesses the home that is your home. Amen? So how do you put God first? You give faithfully and generously. If you've been giving $25 for the last five years, don't you think it's time you honor God with the wealth that He's given you? And then last but not least, another suggestion is I want to invite you to find and stay in a life group. Why? Why a life group? Pastor Tony shared with us how the people around us build our character, influence our happiness, and they shape um, uh, how we are. When you're in a life group, you're going to get a chance to pray for somebody and to have somebody pray for you. Some of you, you're, you're doing life alone. That's why you and your family don't get along because you got nobody else pouring into you. See, I promise you, I promise you that if your spiritual life thrives, 2023 will be your best year yet. I want to share with you a scripture and it'll be up here in the screen. Yesterday, I was debating with the Lord to do this or not, you know, and I was I was saying, Lord, you know, I've done this before and it doesn't work. And obviously, right? Well, listen to your own preaching. You said, if you fall, get back up, right? So keep doing it. But then I, I went into my devotional and uh, here's what the Lord said. And I believe this is for us as a church. I want you to listen to these words in light of what I just asked you to do. Job 22. It'll be up here in the screen. It's on there, Polly. Job 22, verse 21. He says, Submit to God, and you will have peace. Then things will go well for you. Listen to His instructions and store them in your heart. That's scripture, right? If you return to the Lord Almighty, you will be what? Restored. So clean up your life. If you give up your lust for money and throw your precious gold into the river, the Almighty Himself will be your treasure and He will be your precious silver. Then, listen to this, then you will take delight in the Almighty and look up to God. 
You will pray to him and he will hear you and you will fulfill your vows to him. You will succeed in whatever you choose to do and light will shine on the road ahead of you. If people, these last two verses... If people are in trouble and you say help them, God will save them. Even sinners will be rescued. They will be rescued because your hands are what? Pure. And the pure hands don't speak about a perfect life. But it speaks about a sanctified life. A life filled with the presence of God where our righteousness and our holiness does not come from ourselves, but from Him. And when I read those last two verses, I said, you got it, God. Because I got a dad that needs help. And I got a brother that is lost and needs salvation. This church, I would invite you. Today is the day of salvation. Can we commit to say, Lord, we're going to act to make you number one. Work is not going to take priority. Comfort is not going to take priority. The kids are not going to be priority. Business is not going to be priority. Nothing else is going to be priority. You are going to be number one. And I'm not going to just do it with my words. I'm going to do it with my actions, Lord. Lord, I'm going to fast and I'm going to seek you. Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to be in your word. I'm going to give faithfully. And I'm going to get in community. Church, let's do it. Do you want to do it with me? I want to ask the worship team to come up. And we're going to do something special. I don't know if we could turn some of the lights off. We're going to remove this first row. Because we want to open up the altar. And we're not going to pray for each other today. We're going to pray for ourselves. We're going to do this as a church. And if you and if you would join me in the altar, that'd be great. If you want to do it from your chair, that's fine. I believe that there's something special about coming to the altar, about getting out of our comfort and saying, Lord, I'm coming to you. And I want us to spend some time individually talking to the Lord. You know what are your obstacles. Maybe it's hurt. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe you get hot and then you get cold. You get hot and you get cold. But can you just tell the Lord today, Lord, 2023 is going to be different. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you 
Transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.